All right, well, we're there in James chapter number 1, and I want to bring your attention down to verse number 12, James chapter number 1, and I'd like you to notice verse number 12. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for, that word for there means because when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. On Sunday nights, we've been preaching through a series entitled The Crowns. And if you remember the first week, we talked about the judgment seat of Christ and the fact that we will all be judged. If you are saved, you will not be judged for your sins. We prove that from the Bible. But you will be judged for the things you did in your life, whether they were good or bad. Last week, we talked about the uh, incorruptible crown and the fact that we earn the incorruptible crown by being temperate, by being self-controlled, by being able to tell ourselves to not do that, which is easy to do or to take the path of least resistance. Tonight, we're going to talk about the crown of life. And this, the crown of life is mentioned twice in Scripture. It's mentioned here in James chapter number 1. We're going to start here in James. Then we're going to leave James, and we're going to come back to it at the end. The second place it's mentioned is in the book of Revelation. We're going to look at that here in a minute. But as we get into this crown and the idea of the crown of life, I want you to understand this. The crown of life is given to those who are able to endure through trials and through tribulations and through temptations. You earn a crown of life by enduring with patience through trials. And here's what you need to understand about the Christian life. I I say this often. In the Christian life, the Bible often illustrates us going through a hard time or through a trial as a storm. You know, often storms represent those times. And, And in my life and in your life, we go through the storms of life. And here's what you need to understand. In the Christian life, you are either coming out of a storm, you are going into a storm, or you are in a storm. That You just need to understand, that's how the Christian life goes. You're either coming out of a storm and you're saying, man, I just went through something and that was hard and that was difficult. And we're, we're talking about trials and storms. We're talking about, it could be financially, it could be relationally with your spouse or with your children. It could be a health problem. Anything that's, that's causing you Uh, trouble or tribulation in life. It could be persecution. Now, we know that one day there'll be that great persecution, but maybe persecution within your family or your friends or your co-workers, whatever it may be. We are all either going through a storm in life, we're coming out of a storm in life, or we're getting ready to go into a storm of life. And here's what you need to understand about trials is that they are, and I just want to explain this by way of introduction, and then I'm going to give you four statements about how to deal with trials or what to, uh, things we, we could do while going through trials, but here's what I need to, to understand. When you go through a trial, you need to see a trial as an opportunity. You need to see a trial as an opportunity. Now, I know most of you are going to think trials are not good. Storms are not good. I don't want financial heartache. I don't want health problems. I don't want, you know, uh, problems with my relationships. I don't want problems in life. But here's what you need to understand. Trials are an opportunity that God gives us. And here's the point that I'm trying to make. They're an opportunity to earn a crown of life. Here's what you need to understand about the crowns. All the other crowns that we will be studying are initiated by you. 
The incorruptible crown. We saw how do you earn the crown? By living a disciplined life. By being like that runner in a race who is striving for the mastery and they're temperate in all things. But here's the thing you need to understand. I can decide tomorrow that I want to live a disciplined life and that I'm going to start, you know, controlling my finances or controlling my uh, schedule or controlling whatever it is uh, in my life in order to live a disciplined life. I can decide tomorrow I'm going to begin to live a more disciplined life so that I can earn a crown of life. One of the crowns we'll be talking about is the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing is given to those who win souls. Here's the thing. Tomorrow, you can decide, I'm going to become a soul winner. I'm going to begin to preach the gospel. I'm going to try to uh, share the gospel with unbelievers, and maybe God will give me a crown of rejoicing. And on and on it goes. You can earn the crowns by initiation. Here's the thing about the crown of life. You don't get to initiate a trial. And generally, we don't. You know, trials just happen to us. And here's what you need to understand. When the trial comes, we need to be ready to respond well. We need to be ready to go through that trial and learn what we need to learn and not get discouraged and not get upset. Because that trial, because think about this. We don't, we're not going through trials 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, you go through trials in life, and there are seasons of life, and here's what you need to understand. You may only go through one or two or three real trials in your life, and if you ruin those opportunities to earn the crown of life, then that's a crown that you've disqualified yourself from in heaven. So you need to see, notice what it says there, James 1.12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Why? For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life. See, if you learn how to endure temptation, if you learn how to endure through trials, you will receive a crown of life. Go to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 4. You're there in James. Just turn one book over to 1 Peter and uh, make sure you're able to get to James and 1 Peter. Uh, we're going to be going back and forth. Keep your place in 1 Peter, maybe a bulletin or a ribbon or something in 1 Peter because we're going to be going back and forth. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and look at verse number 12. Notice how God describes trials as an opportunity. 1 Peter chapter 4, look at verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. And here's what I think is, is funny. People will go through trials, and, I, and I've had people say this to me, and if you've said this to me, I'm not picking on you. I, don't, I can't think of anybody here right now that's ever said this to me, but as a pastor, people will go through things, and they'll, they'll have marriage problems, or they'll have health problems, or they'll have whatever problems, and, and they'll look me in the face and they'll say, Pastor, why is this happening to me? And I think to myself, you know, think it not strange concerning fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened. Here's what you need to understand. God's not picking on you. Everyone goes through trials. The Bible says there is no temptation taken you, such as is common to man. See, everything that you're going through, someone else has gone through. And, every, and, and we all go through different trials. We all go through different temptations. We all have things that happen in our lives. And here he says in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Notice verse 13. But rejoice, and as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. Here's what he's saying. Christ suffered, and you get to be a partaker of that suffering. Notice that when his glory shall be revealed. That's the day of judgment. That's the judgment seat of Christ. That's when we get rewarded. He says that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Here's what he's saying. 
You're going to be glad. You're going to be happy. You're going to be thankful that you were given the opportunity to go through that trial, to go through that temptation, to go through that storm when God rewards you with a crown of life because you did well, because you responded well. He says, at the day of judgment, you will be glad with exceeding joy. Notice verse 14. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. That if people are bad-mouthing you, if people are criticizing you, if people are upset with you, if people are saying, oh, you're in a cult, or I can't believe you're going to go to church again, you know, hey, he says, if, pe- if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of the glory of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. Here's what I want you to understand. You get, and I get, the opportunity to go through trials. And we get the opportunity to please God through our trials. Let me show it to you. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. This is all introduction tonight. We're going to get into the sermon here in a minute. But I want you to understand, and I want to build this foundation. You're there in 1 Peter chapter 4. Flip back to 1 Peter chapter 2 and look at verse number 19. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. Now, we often read these verses and we don't really consider the impact of these words. So I want you to think about what the Bible is saying here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. The Bible says this, For this is thankworthy. Now, here's what's interesting about that. In the Bible, we are given a parable of a servant who did their duty, and, he, and we're told that he wasn't worth thanking. He didn't do anything extra. He didn't do anything special by simply doing what was accepted, uh, what was expected of him. But here in, verse, in, in 1 Peter 2.19, we are told, for this is thankworthy. I mean, who would like to get to heaven and have God say to you, thank you. Thank you for how you lived your life. Thank you. Now, look, I don't know about you, but I'm expecting to get to heaven, and I'm going to be saying thank you to God, right? I'm going to be saying thank you to Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me salvation. Thank you for not sending me to hell like I deserve. But here the Bible says, for this is thankworthy. What's thankworthy? What is so big, so great that God would thank us? Notice what it says. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief. And notice that word endure. We don't like that word. Notice, suffering. We don't like that word either. Suffer. Notice, notice, notice. Here's the word thankful, thankworthy, wrongfully. When you suffer wrongfully, you say, but I didn't do anything. But I don't deserve that. But I am not guilty or that, that's not fair. They're, they're, you know, they lied or they stabbed me in the back or they, whatever it is. When you suffer wrongfully, God says, hey, and you take that and you accept that and you respond properly, God says that's thankworthy. Notice verse 20. For what glory is it when ye be, be, when ye be buffeted for your fault, ye shall take it patiently? He said, look, if you, if you do your community service patiently because you got arrested, you know, drunk driving, what glory is it in that? You shouldn't have been, you know, driving drunk, right? He says, look, what glory? If you're like, well, I'm in prison for the next, you know, 45 days, and you take it patiently, and you have a good attitude, and you get out, you know, you know get out. Hey, there's no glory in that. You got yourself in there. But notice what he says. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your fault, you take it patiently? But if, notice, but if when you do well. 
You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't ask for any problems. And suffer for it, you take it. Here's the key word, patiently. And here's what you need to understand. How do I know if I'm going through a trial properly? How do I know if I'm going, if I'm responding properly? Here's, here's the key word, patience. Are you enduring patiently? Because here's what you need to understand. We're all going to endure trials. You say, you know, I'm unemployed and I'm looking for work and that's my trial right now. I can't find work. Well, look, you're, eventually you're going to get a job. Or you're going to die, right? I mean, you know, you're, 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 you say, I'm going through health problems. Well, eventually you're going to get better or you're going to die, you know? You say, well, I'm going through relational problems. Well, eventually, you know, your marriage is going to get better. Your, your relationship with your children are going to get better or one of you is going to die. Or maybe your wife's going to kill you. Your, dad, your, your dad's going to kill you, whatever. Here's the point. You're all going to endure patience. You're going to endure the trial. Here's how you get the reward if you endured patiently. See, if the whole time you're whining, the whole time you're complaining, the whole time you're moaning, the whole time you're saying, well, I can't believe God would do this to me, and I, doesn't, you know, I, I don't deserve this, and why is this happening to me? You're not going to earn a crown of life going through it that way. The key word is patience. Notice verse 20. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? Notice what it says. But if you do well and suffer for it. You take it patiently. Notice what he says. This is acceptable with God. He says, this is thankworthy. He says, this is something worth taking notice of. Look at verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called. Do you know when you got saved, God called you to suffer? Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He says, look, you were called to this. Notice, for even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Aren't we trying to be like Christ? Aren't we trying to be disciples of Jesus Christ? Aren't we trying to follow him? Well, look, if you're going to follow Christ, guess what? He had a cross, so we'll take a cross. He had trials, so we'll have trials. He had struggles, so we'll have struggles. Here's what I need to understand. When you're going through a trial, you need to see it as an opportunity, number one, to earn a crown of life. Because you don't get to initiate that. You say, well, I'm going to give myself a trial because I'm going to go and get myself arrested. You don't get credit for those trials. You're just being buffeted for your mistakes, right? But when you're sitting there doing nothing wrong, everything's fine, and you had a health problem. You're sitting there doing nothing wrong. You're being right with God, and you're having marital problems. You're doing nothing wrong. You're being a good parent, and your children are rebelling. You're doing nothing wrong. You're being a good worker, and you lose your job. You're doing nothing wrong, and you go through a trial anyway, and you take that patiently, then God says, I'll thank you for that. And I will, that will be acceptable. And I will reward that if you go through it and respond to it properly. With that said, let me give you four things that you should do, four statements uh, that, you, that I'd like to, you to take notice of, of how to go through a trial properly, how to make sure you don't miss out on that opportunity. When you're going through a trial, how do you make sure I'm going to make this count? Because here's the thing, you're going to go through it anyway. I mean, do you understand that? You're going to go through the trial either way. You don't get to opt out and say, no, I'm not going to have cancer. Or no, I'm not going to have that health problem. Or no, I'm not going to lose that child. Or no, I'm not going to go through. You don't get to decide what trials or trials you, get to, you go through. Here's the only thing you get to decide. Your attitude as you go through it. And how you respond to those trials. So what are four things you can do to make sure you earn that crown of life when the opportunity of a trial Arises. Go to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, last book in the Bible, should be fairly easy to find. 
In Revelation chapter 2, we find Jesus speaking to the church at Smyrna. In Revelations 2 and 3, he's speaking to seven churches of Asia. One of these days, I'm going to preach a series on the seven churches of Revelation, and we'll go through each one of these. But tonight, we're going to look at the church in Smyrna, because here we find a passage where Jesus makes a reference to this crown of life. And I want you to notice four things. And if you're able to, you don't have a baby on your lap or something like that, if you're able to take notes, I'd encourage you to take notes. I want to give you four statements, four things you can do when you're going through a trial to ensure that you get that crown of life. Because here's the thing, you're either going through a trial, you're going to go through a trial, or you just got out of a trial. But guess what? Trials and storms are a way of life in the Christian life. Revelation chapter 2, notice verse 8. The Bible says this, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These things say it, the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Jesus is about to explain to these people that they're getting ready to go through a trial and that they're going to have to learn some things and do some things to be able to go through this trial correctly. The first thing I want you to notice is how he sends his message through the angel of the church in Smyrna. Notice verse 8. He says, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna. Here, the angel there, the word angel is just talking about a messenger. I personally believe the angels of the seven churches is referring to the pastor. The pastor was given a message that he was then supposed to deliver to his people. And here's what I need you to understand. God will speak to you through his word, and he will speak to you through the preacher or the pastor that he has connected you to. Here's statement number one. If, if you're writing down these notes, I'd like you to write this statement down. When you're going through a trial, you need to work, ha- work hard at staying connected with God's people. You need to work hard at staying connected with God's people. Stay connected with God's people when you're going through a trial. Here's what I'm trying to say. Do not isolate yourself. Most of the time when people go through problems and go through issues and go through struggles, the, the natural thing is to want to push back is to want to isolate, is to want to not talk to someone, not call the pastor, not get help. But here's what I want you to understand. When God gives a message to the church in Smyrna, because they're getting ready to go through a pretty hard trial, he sends the message through the angel of the church in Smyrna, which was the man of God in that church. Go to 1 Peter. Keep your finger there in Revelation 2. We're going to be there for the rest of the sermon. But go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And look at verse number 8. Remember I told you to keep your place in 1 Peter? I think I, I don't know if I told you to do that, but make sure you do that. Keep your place in 1 Peter or your finger in 1 Peter. We're going to be in those passages. If you got James, the very next book is 1 Peter. I want you to notice 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. I want you to notice how God describes the devil or Satan for us. 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, I want you to notice this phrase. This is how Satan is described. As a roaring lion. Do you see that? As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. For our kids, uh, we have these little things they watch on on the internet. We got it on Amazon. I I can't remember what, what it's called, but it's these documentaries about you know, wildlife and about animals. And they've got, they've got the one about lions, you know. You ever, who's ever watched something like that, where the lions, you know, they're, they tells you about how they live and how they attack. Here's what's interesting about lions when they hunt. You know, lions are really smart animals. And when they're hunting, you know, whatever, I don't even know what they're hunting. What are those things, things called? Are they 
Wilderbees? Is that Wilderbees? All right. It was a long time since, since I was in school. So, you know, but here's what's interesting. They will often send, like, three lions to kind of just, you know, do, they do like this blitz on the herd. And the whole point is to just get them all scared and frantic and running. And then they've got lions on the side. And basically, here's what they're looking for. They're looking for the one that gets left behind. They're looking for the baby or the one that's injured. They're looking for the one that's away from the group. And then here's what they do. They isolate that one. They run in a way where they basically get it to get away. Because here's the thing. The animals that are all together, the one right in the center of that herd, he's the, most, he's the safest. But the ones that are off to the side, the ones that are kind of fading out, the ones that are not connected, they attack that one, the baby, the weak one, the one that's not connected to the group. And as soon as they can isolate it, they just pounce on that thing and it's dinner. And here's what you need to understand. The Bible tells us that when Satan attacks you and when Satan attacks me, it says be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaming lion. Walking about. Seeking whom he made devour. Who's he looking for? The weak one. Who's he looking for? The one he can isolate. The one he can separate from the group. See, that's why the worst thing you can do when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a temptation, when you're struggling with something, the worst thing you can do is say, oh, I'm just going to skip out on church. Amen. Oh, I'm just not, I, you know, I just don't feel like being, I just don't want to have to talk to people. I think I'm just going to stay home. Hey, that's what Satan wants because the roaring lion is always looking for the one that's by itself. That's isolated. See, the best thing you can do is to be connected. You don't have to turn here, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, let me read these verses for you. The Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Do you know that we can do better, we can do more together than by ourselves? For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. See, the Bible teaches us that there is strength in numbers. And the Bible teaches that we were created for community. You were not created to live your life alone. You were not created to go through the struggles and go through the trials and go through the problems of life alone. You were created to have people help you, to have people love you. And the worst thing you can do when you're going through a trial is to disconnect yourself from church. Disconnect yourself from people. And you may physically be here, but if you put a wall up and you say, I'm not, I'm not going to reach out, I'm not going to connect with people, I'm not going to let them into my life, you are setting yourself up for, pay, for failure. The best thing you can do when going through a trial is to stay connected with God's people. Go back to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. So what's the first thing you should do when going through a trial? Stay connected with God's people. Don't isolate yourself. That's not the time to skip church. That's not the time to get disconnected. That's the time to get as connected to people as possible. Number two, the second thing you ought to do when going through a trial, take comfort in knowing that God knows what you're going through. Take comfort in knowing that God knows what you're going through. Notice what the Bible says there. Revelation chapter 2, look at verse 8. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things say the first and the last. That's Jesus. Now notice what it says about Jesus, which was dead and is alive. The Bible tells us that Jesus lived and Jesus died. And then he resurrected. Go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 4. If you kept your place in 1 Peter... You're going to go backwards past James into the book of Hebrews. So past James, First uh, Peter, James, and Hebrews going backwards. Hebrews chapter number 4 and look at verse number 15. 
Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 15. Hebrews 4.15, the Bible says this, For we have not an high priest, that's Jesus Christ, for we have not an high priest, notice, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Here's the only difference between Jesus and you. He was yet without sin. See, whatever you're going through, you say, well, I, I've, been, I've been persecuted. Jesus was persecuted. Say, I've been betrayed. Jesus was betrayed. I've been lied about. Jesus was lied about. I've, I've, I, I'm, I'm poor and I'm having financial problems. Jesus was poor. Everything that Jesus went through, he went through to be able to identify with you and to identify with me. And here's what you need to understand. You can take comfort in the fact that whatever struggle you have, whatever trial you have, when you go to God in prayer, you can go to Jesus and, under, and know and have comfort in knowing that he knows what you're going through. The Bible says, casting all our care upon him, for he careth for you. And look, there's nothing you're going through that God doesn't know about. There's nothing you're going through that God hasn't felt. There's nothing you're going through that Jesus did not understand. And you can take comfort. Don't sit there and say, I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. I'm the only one that's ever struggled with this. And nobody knows my sorrow. Jesus knows. And God knows. And we can take comfort in knowing that God knows what you're going through. So what, what are the things that we can do when going through trials? Number one, stay connected with God's people. Number two, take comfort in knowing that God knows what you're going through. Let me share this verse with you. Go, go to me to the book of Job, Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. If you open up your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely found the book of Psalms. And right before the book of Psalms, you got the book of Job. Now, I don't have to tell you that Job went through many trials in his life. Remember, he lost all his finances. He lost all his children. His wife told him to curse God and die. Not exactly encouraging. And here's what Job said, and I want you to, when you get there, I want you to keep your place there because we're going to come back and highlight another part of the same verse. But I want you to notice what Job said, Job 23 and verse 10. Job 23 and verse 10, the Bible says this. This is what Job said. Keep in mind, remember Job. I'm not going to take time to read the first two chapters with you. But he was told he lost everything. He lost his children and eventually lost his health. And he's sitting there just at the worst place in his life. And here's what the Bible says. It says, but he knoweth the way that I take. Job took comfort in realizing that God knows exactly what I'm going through. God knows exactly what I'm struggling with. God not only knows when it started, but he knows when it will end. And God knows the way that you're going through life. Keep your place there in Job 23. Go back to Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter number 2. Let me give you the third statement. Revelation chapter 2. I'm doing my best to get you out of here early because I've been preaching long on Sunday mornings. I was going to try to be like those old pizza places and, you know, preach in 30 minutes. And if it wasn't 30 minutes, it'd be free. But I think I'm going to miss that, all right? So I'm going to do my best to get you out of here. But look at Revelation chapter 2. Look at verse 9. Let me give you point number 3. Point number 1, stay connected with God's people. Point number 2, take comfort in knowing that God knows what you're going through. Job said, he knoweth the way that I take. Point number three, realize that trials are temporary. Realize that trials are temporary. Notice Revelation chapter 2, look at verse 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. And then he says this, but thou art rich. He says, you're rich in this, in this world, but you're rich towards God. He says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. You know that there are people who say they are Jews and are not? And they're connected to a synagogue. That's something you should think about. Look at verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. 
Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. Notice, notice what the Bible says. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. He says, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Now, here's what I want you to understand. In the church at Smyrna, they had the supernatural ability of having Jesus, God in the flesh, write them a letter and say to them, you're going to go through a trial, you're going to go through a struggle, the devil's going to attack you. You're going to, he says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. He says, behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation. And he says, ten days. He says, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now here's what I want you to understand. You and I don't get a letter from Jesus that tells us when the trial is going to start and when the trial is going to end. But just like he knew for the church in Smyrna, he knows for you and he knows for me when that trial will begin and when it will end. I mean, do you realize when you're going through a trial, you can come to God in prayer and say, God, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know if it's going to be 10 days or 10 weeks or 10 months or 10 years. But you know, you know how long this will last for. That's what Job was saying. He knoweth the way that I take. He knows how long it's going to last. And here's, here's the great thing. It was only 10 days. He's, here's what he's telling him. It's temporary. All trials are temporary. You say, well, I, I'm going to go through a trial the rest of my life. If you, if you lived your entire life under a trial, the Bible says our life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. In comparison to eternity, it's a short amount of time. Trials are temporary. You can make it through them. You can, you can have a good attitude through whatever you're going through. If you realize this will end at one point, this will stop, this is not going to last forever. And here's the thing, even if it lasts the rest of your life, eventually you're going to die. And I'm not saying that in a morbid type of way, or I'm actually saying that in an encouraging way. Notice what Jesus said to them. Look at verse 11, Revelation 2.11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Notice, he that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. Now, what's the second death? The lake of fire. You know what he's saying, saying to them? He's saying, you're going to get persecuted the synagogue of Satan is going to come against you. He says, fear none of those things. He said, you're going to be cast in prison. He said, be faithful unto death. He said, it's going to last 10 days. He said, but even, even if you die, at least you're not going to go to hell. He says, he that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. Look, the worst thing this world can do to me is just kill me. The, wor the worst thing this world can do to me is just take my life. If they take my house, if they take my car, if they take everything I own, hey, the worst day of a Christian is better than the best day of an unbeliever. Because at the end of the thing, guess what? I get to go to heaven, and they go to hell. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. He says, look, it doesn't matter how long it's going to last for. It's temporary. It doesn't matter if it lasts the rest of your life. It's temporary. So what do we do when we're going through trials? Number one, stay connected with God's people. Number two, Take comfort in knowing that God knows what you're going through. Number three, realize that trials are temporary. Let me give you the fourth statement. Look at Revelation chapter 2. Look at verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. Notice this phrase. This is the second time we see this, the crown of life mentioned. And I will give thee a crown of life. Go to the book of Romans with me. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Here's statement number 4. Keep your eye on the eternal. Keep your eye on the eternal. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through a temptation, 
Keep your eye, keep your mind, keep your vision on the eternal. Here's what he says to him. He says, you shall have tribulation ten days. He says, be thou faithful unto death, and I will reward you. I will give thee a crown of life. He said, it will be worth it when you get to heaven. He says, it'll be worth it when you get, when you get on the other side. He said, he's telling them, hey, just stop thinking about the temporary and think about the eternal. Notice what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 18. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. I'd like you to see it. I'll wait a moment for you to get there. Romans chapter 8. We're almost done. Romans chapter 8. I'm not going to preach long tonight. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 18. Notice what Paul said. He said, for I reckon. He says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, when we get to heaven... When we, when we get to heaven, it's not, we're not going to be talking about, oh, I had it so hard down there, and oh, you don't understand what I had to go through, and oh, you don't understand the problems and the issues and the struggles and the storms that I had. When we get to heaven, he says, we will not even want to compare. We will not even want to mention the sufferings of this present time. They will be nothing in comparison to the glory that God will give us. So when you're going through a trial, and you're going through a struggle, and you really want to throw yourself a pity party, I like pity parties. Who likes throwing themselves a pity party? Pity parties are fun. I threw myself one this morning. And when you feel like doing that, you know what you ought to do? Keep your eye on the eternal. Realize that this life is just temporary. That there's eternal life. That there's another world. That there's another place. That there are rewards that God will give us. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts as we finish up tonight. Let me review these points for those of you that maybe didn't catch them. Number one, what do you do when you're going through a trial? Stay connected with God's people. Number two, take comfort in knowing that God knows what you're going through. Number three, realize that trials are temporary. And number four, keep your eye on the eternal. Now, let me give you just a couple of thoughts in closing. You're there in the book of Romans. Go to Romans chapter 5 and look at verse number 3. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. And I, I apologize. My, my allergies are, are really just beating me up today. And I don't know that I'm maybe communicating as well as I'd like to, but I hope this is all making sense. Romans chapter 5, look at verse number 3. Notice what the Bible says. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. He says when tribulations come, we glory in them. We rejoice in them. He says we're glad for them. The word glory means we boast and we brag. You know, hey, I get to go through a tribulation. Hey, I get to go through a trial. Hey, I get the opportunity to go through a storm of life. Notice what he says. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. He said, well, why? Why would you boast? Why would you brag? I mean, usually we come home and we say, hey, I got a raise. Hey, I got a promotion. Hey, you know, I, I, I got that bonus. We don't usually come home and say, hey, honey, guess what? They closed my business. They laid us off. But here's what what he's saying. He's saying, hey, we glory in tribulation. Why? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. He says tribulations cause you to have to learn to be patient. Sometimes we have to sit and be still. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes there's nothing you can do but pray. And that's a good place to be in. And he says this, he says, we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Notice verse 4, and patience experience and experience hope. Because remember when we started the sermon, I told you, you're either going through a trial, you're coming out of a trial, 
or you're going to be going through a trial. And here's what happens in the Christian life. Eventually, if you go through these long enough, and eventually, if you respond properly to these long enough, the next time you go through a trial, you have hope that, hey, I've gone through this before, and God will get me through this one. We've had these problems before, and God will make a way. And that's why he says, hey, tribulation, work of patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Because patience helps you endure through it. And hope says, I can get through this. Someone said this, trials will make you better or they'll make you bitter. You get to choose. You can allow a trial to make you a better person or you can allow a trial to make you a bitter person. And it's you who gets to decide how that trial will affect you. Can you make your way back to James chapter 1? James chapter 1. James chapter number 1. Why don't you notice verse 1? Not only do we respond properly, if we respond properly to trials, they develop patience, which develop hope. But the second thing I'd like you to notice just in closing is if you respond properly to trials, they will make you a better Christian and a better person. James chapter 1, look at verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Notice what he says in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, work it, there's our key word, patience. Well, what's so great about patience? But let patience have her perfect work, that we may be perfect. The word perfect means complete, whole, mature. He says that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Can you go back to Job 23? Why don't you notice verse 10? Job 23, verse 10. We were just there. We're, we're done. We'll be done right here. Job 23, verse 10. Here's what Job said. Probably the man who went through the hardest trials, you know, documented in Scripture. I don't know of anybody who lost all their finances, all their business, all their children, their wife turned on them, and they lost their health all within two chapters of the Bible, all within a short span of life. And here's what Job said. He said, but he knoweth the way that I take. Job said, I know that God knows what I'm going through. And I'm confident in the fact that he knows what I'm struggling with. And then he said this, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He, says, he, he, he uses this illustration. He says, you take a, a, a precious metal like gold or silver and you run it through that fire and you run it through the furnace and you cause it to heat up and to get hot so that all the problems and all the issues and all the dirt and all the grime in that metal will rise to the, to the top and then you can remove that and you can purge it and when you run metal when you run uh, you know, gold or silver through a fire you are purifying it and you are making it better and here's what Job was saying he was saying when he hath tried me when he's done putting me through this fire and through this struggle of life he says I know that I shall come forth as gold he says I know that God is doing work in me and I know that he's making me better and it'll be for his glory and I don't have to complain and I don't have to whine and I don't have to be upset I like that song that we sing that chorus of the week those words are powerful words it says God never moves 
without purpose or plan, when trying his servant and molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness he giveth a song. You know the words. Why don't you sing the chorus with me? If you don't know them, you got them there in your chorus of the week. Let's, sing, let's just sing it a cappella. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. You're singing well. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. For when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. I hope you believe that. May we pray together? Let's bow our heads.